Luke chapter 13 in your Bibles. We're going to continue with a sort of recent theme the past few weeks where we've looked at specific scriptures that focus on the Bible's teaching about yesterday, today, and tomorrow. On a recent Sunday, it was Hebrews 4, you may recall, the best day of your life. Last Wednesday, it was Ecclesiastes 7, the cup of nostalgia. Uh, That text says, Say not, say not thou, what is the cause that the former days are better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. For tonight, adding line upon line and precept upon precept, I want us to consider another text, this time in the Gospels and drawing from the ministry of our Lord that goes along with this very same theme. And so let's look at Luke 13. We'll read a few few verses and then pray. Verse 31 says, The same day, the same day there came certain of the Pharisees, saying unto him, Get thee out, and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye, and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. Father, help us tonight as we continue, Lord, in this theme of of the perspective that we're supposed to have and that we ought to have, the one that gives great wisdom and grace in these days that we're living. The truth of your word, help us tonight to hear it again. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look again, verse 33. You'll notice that what Jesus is doing here basically is responding to the threats, the threatening words of Herod and the Pharisees. Look at it, verse 33. Nevertheless, Jesus says, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following. Now, I want you to think for a moment about what Jesus is saying here. In verse 31 of the text that we read a moment ago, certain Pharisees had come to the Lord and warned him. They said, you better leave this region of Galilee and flee down to the southern region of Judea. And the reason, they said, is there's this danger up here of being arrested and killed by King Herod. Well, the Lord Jesus, who knew the hearts of all men, responded to these Pharisees in two ways. One, by exposing Herod for who he was, and two, by exposing the Pharisees for who they really were. Look at verse 32. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, it's not a compliment, by the way, Tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. In other words, Jesus knew that these Pharisees were actually in cahoots with Herod. So he sends them back to him with the message, Tell that fox, that crafty deceiver, my response. You see, really for political reasons, Herod Antipas didn't want to kill Jesus. He didn't want to kill Jesus in Galilee like he did John the Baptist. But he did want Jesus out of Galilee. And of course, the Pharisees, they did want Jesus way down in Judea so that he would come under their jurisdiction and therefore their indictment. That way, Herod is happy because Jesus has gone out of Galilee, and the Pharisees are happy because they can execute him now down in Judea. Which brings us to our text, because this is a threat, of course. And in this text, the Lord Jesus not only exposes the fox and these serpents, which is what they were, but he also makes a statement, again, 
filled to me with spiritual truth. Verse 33, nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following. That's interesting, right? Now, look, I don't know if our Lord's statement right there is altogether striking to you and if the words jump out of the pages of, of the scriptures, but they do to me. And I really think that they should for you. In a lot of ways, verse 33 is throwing down of the gauntlet by our Lord. It is a challenge and it's really a charge. And it's not just bluster and it's not just bravado as a challenge. It's more like a guarantee. This is more like a divine proclamation coming right out of the mouth of the Son of God. You'll notice in the same chapter something is said in verse 22 by John. It says, And he went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. In other words, Luke makes it clear that the Lord Jesus is on a journey. He's going somewhere. And that somewhere was toward Jerusalem. And as he's going toward and to Jerusalem, it says he's traveling through, through cities and villages. And what's he doing? Well, look at verse 22 again. And he went through cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. So again, here's the picture of a man. Well, he's the God man. And he's on a journey, you see. He's not wandering. He's not existing. He's not running hastily. He's walking. And he's walking in the center of God's will. To some people in the land of Israel, of course, this journey, the journey itself, is a point of contention. The very first verse of this chapter, someone asked Jesus about an atrocity, the front page news of the Galilean time. We read about, we preached about this in the past. And these atrocities had been committed against the Galileans. Jesus embarrasses Herod, by the ruler of Galilee, by commenting on that atrocity. And then in verse 14 of this chapter, Jesus heals a woman, oh no, oh no, on the Sabbath day. It angers the ruler of that synagogue, and in verse 14, really angers that ruler of the synagogue by calling Jesus calling the man a hypocrite. And then you'll notice verse 17. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. That means they were put to shame. When he said these things, Jesus' adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. By the way, let me say this. That's a pretty good description of what a real Christian journey is like. Some people are going to rejoice and be blessed by your life and your journey. And some people are going to be put to shame, ashamed and angered by your life. So you know what I say? Mark it down. Just accept it. In fact, if anything, embrace it. Your godly life is not going to please everyone. Not even your own family. Verse 17 says, all of Jesus' adversaries. Wait a minute. Jesus had enemies? Jesus had adversaries? Of course he did. And guess what? He still does. A whole bunch of them gathered on Sunday night in Hollywood. Enemies. Adversaries. And it was Jesus who said, beware when all men speak well of you. So again, our Lord is on this journey. 
That journey, however, is not a popularity contest, and it's not a popularity contest for us. And so it is that two of these adversaries get together. This happens a lot, by the way. Uh, People that are enemies one with another will become friends if they have one common enemy. And these two adversaries are the political group and the religious group. And they decide together that it's time for Jesus and his journey to come to an end. They decide it's time to force Christ leaving Galilee down into Judea before his time. He's already journeying there, as you know. We just noted that, right? He's on a journey. He's going toward Jerusalem. They want to force it before his time. Verse 31, the same day. The same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. Now again, the Pharisees aren't trying to protect Jesus. Of course they're not. They're trying to manipulate him. And it's the reason Jesus says in verse 32, go and tell that fox. In other words, go back to where you came from. Because I know that this message is from him. That this message is just a conspiracy. And then the Lord makes this, again, marvelous statement that none of his adversaries could have comprehended. It wasn't really intended for them. It was intended for his disciples and for us because it's recorded in the word of God. Verse 33, nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following. By the way, the first thing we know about this statement is that Jesus is not talking about three literal days. He's not saying in three days I'm going to die or be arrested or anything like that. And we know that, of course, because of the chronology of his life and he tests to it. What he is saying is clarified in the previous verse. Look at that again, verse 32. And he said to them, go and tell ye and tell that fox, behold, I cast out devils and I do cures today and tomorrow and the third day I shall be perfected. When Jesus says I'll be perfected, he's referring to the end, the end of his earthly ministry and journey. Hebrews 2.10 says that Jesus was made perfect, perfect through sufferings, not just any suffering, but the suffering, the verse before it, the suffering of death, it says. So you see, the third day in verse 32 refers to the end. That is, the end of God's will for him on this earth. The end of his journey when on the cross, he says those words, it is finished, it's perfected, it is completed. And when Herod and when these Pharisees and all the powers that be came to Jesus and threatened to keep him from finishing, his answer basically in this text is, no way. His answer is, it's sort of like saying, well, you can try, but it ain't going to happen. And that's the reason. That's the reason as such, Jesus' response is so full of wisdom and truth for you and I as God's people on a journey in the center of God's will. It is a spiritual truth that God's people cannot afford to neglect or overlook. Three things, for example. In this one statement that were true about the life of Jesus, but that are also true about you and I as God's people. And the first one concerns that word today. Look at it again, verse 32. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils and I do cures today. Verse 33, Nevertheless, I must walk today. You see, when Jesus said today in this text, he literally meant that day. Now they're telling him, You better get out of here. Go, now, leave. Jesus said, no, today, 
Today is, and it was the real day, it was that same day, verse 31 says, that same day, that day. You say, what day, Pastor? It was the very day that he had just journeyed through a certain village, a little city, and taught the parable of the leaven. That day. That day, which he called today, as we preached on a couple of weeks ago, that was there, his immediate day of opportunity in fulfilling the will of God on Jesus' journey. And Jesus said, tell Herod this, tell Herod I have work to do today. There are devils to cast out. There are sick people to cure. There are prophecies in the book of Isaiah that I have to fulfill today. And if he wants me out of Galilee, it's not going to happen today. Not today, because today, I, he says, I must walk. I must do the Father's will today. And let me say this, beloved, it should be a reminder to all of us tonight that we have today. Today in this text speaks of God's will and of the opportunity that you have to do God's will on this given day. So that you know what? It's really, really good that you came to church tonight because you are fulfilling God's will for you today. Thank God that you had an opportunity today to do His will, and you've done it, at least to some degree, you've done it today. And really, today's not over. There's a few more hours left. Who knows what person you're supposed to go through that God wants you to be blessing to or help today, to encourage today. Today, you had an opportunity to read, to pray, few moments ago to sing some of you didn't even take the opportunity to sing and the bible says that we're supposed to sing it's in colossians it's in ephesians it's a command as a child of god to sing you had an opportunity to serve to give today you have an opportunity to learn right now some of you are learning a couple of you not learning anything right now i can see i won't call you out Someone said yesterday was a canceled check. Tomorrow's a promissory note. Today is the only cash that you have to spend today. You know, some time ago I'm reading in 1 Timothy, and I came to 1 Timothy 6, and I thank God for this when I, when I came across it, because I needed it at the time. It says this, The living God giveth us richly all things to enjoy. I read that, and I thought, you know what? I will guarantee you that there are a lot of Christians who don't even know that the word enjoy is in the Bible. At least their face doesn't show that the word enjoy is in the Bible. And the Bible says, yeah, God has given them, all of us, richly, richly, all things to enjoy, but they don't enjoy it. Think about our Lord. All right, just look at a few verses with me, would you, in this chapter, just this chapter. Verse 10. And Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Now, do you think that the Son of God, who had this opportunity that day to teach in the Jewish synagogue, he had an opportunity to do what he was sent to do, do you think that he enjoyed doing that that day? Look at verse 11. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. 18 years. And was bowed together and could no wise lift up herself. 
And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Whew. Do you think Jesus enjoyed doing that? How many times have you seen someone with an infirmity? They couldn't walk. In this case, she was bowed up. She couldn't even stand. And how many times, I mean, I've done this. Maybe I'm, I don't know, crazy, but I've done it. I thought, man, it would be amazing to go over there and be able to just heal that person right there. You think Jesus enjoyed doing that that day? Chapter 14, verse 1. And it came to pass as he went to the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day, that they watched him. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. Verse 4 says, And they held their peace, and he took him, and he healed him, and let him go. Today is an opportunity to be thankful and to rejoice, because God has given you richly all things to enjoy. Today, beloved, speaks of opportunity, and specifically, today is an opportunity to fulfill the will of God for your life today. Pastor, I don't know what the will of God is for me today. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning Christ Jesus. Okay, there you go. There's one. You can do that today. Jesus said, today, I've got sick people to heal and sinful people to deliver and demons to cast out. Now, that's not what we have to do today. Jesus is the Son of God. He's giving testimony. He's fulfilling Old Testament prophecies. He's showing them that he is the Son of God. But that was his will. And Jesus said, tell Herod, crazy like a fox, deceitful like a fox, tell him I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do today. And tomorrow, I'm, going, I'm supposed to do the exact same thing, God's will tomorrow. In other words, today, people have needs and burdens and sins as well, all around us. People have heartaches. You have an opportunity today, today, to help them. Teach, encourage and you know, tomorrow, well, tomorrow will be more of the same. Same opportunities, same needs, same journey. So that what Christ is illustrating to us, beloved, is that today is an opportunity. And then when he says tomorrow, this is number two, tomorrow is faithfulness. In other words, think about it. Tomorrow is a reminder that God did not put us on a one-day, 100-yard dash. But rather, and this is why I say line upon line, precept upon precept of what we taught two weeks ago on Sunday and then Wednesday, you have to have the whole counsel of God. We're in a marathon, the Bible says. Verse 22 says, Jesus journeyed toward Jerusalem. And you know, beloved, until we get that concept in our hearts and in our heads, I don't think we'll really be around for the entire journey. Oh, pastor, I'm just weary. The burdens, when the burdens, when the trials of this life ever going to be over? When will justice reign and we will rest our weary souls? I don't know. But I think for most of us, it probably won't be tomorrow that we're gone. Jesus said, behold, I cast out devils and I do cures today and tomorrow. I'm ministering today and tomorrow. He said, I must walk today and tomorrow, because he knew. And really, that's, that's in general true of all of us. It's why Jesus said, moreover, it is required of a steward that a man be found faithful. But pastor, I'm so weary. Well, Jesus was weary. Can you imagine how anxious Jesus was to return to heaven when the today was tomorrow and tomorrow and the day after and so forth? 
The Apostle Paul at one point, our Lord Jesus said, faithless and perverse generation, how long? That was as he sighed when he saw how faithless they were. And the answer was, really, until tomorrow. And when tomorrow was today, there was another tomorrow. A lot of times when I'm counseling someone, and there's no easy answer, because there aren't easy answers for things that they're going through, a lot of times, a lot, probably at least once a week, I'll say the same three words, hang in there. In fact, it's really, believe it or not, one of my favorite statements to, to say to fellow believers that I love. And you know, to someone who's carrying a heavy load, I, it might sound glib. And I apologize for that. If I've, if I've told you to hang in there when, and it sounded glib to you or uncaring. But to me, it's not at all. I kind of think it's one of the secrets of victorious Christian living, realizing that today and tomorrow we must walk. And sometimes we just need to hang in there. In fact, if Haman called me up and said, Pastor, I'm going to the gallows tomorrow by Xerxes, I'd say, Haman, hang in there. That's what I'd say to him. <laughs> Look at verse 32. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils and do cures today and tomorrow and the third day. Verse 33. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow. And then he says, and the day following. Today speaks of opportunity, and no Herod was going to rob him of it. Tomorrow speaks of faithfulness. When today becomes, when tomorrow becomes today, I'm going to do it again. Why can't we say that until God calls us home? The day following speaks of completion. It'll be finished one day. In other words, think about it. Jesus is reminding us here that our journey, just like his journey, is leading somewhere. That in fact, there is a finish line to this race. There's a completion to God's great plan for all of us. That completion occurs when your task is done. When, Pastor? When your task is done. That's a great comfort to me, by the way. You know, God called Louise home when her task was done. I came to embrace that. You know, one of the things Jesus was saying to Herod is that not even he can cut off. With all your power, Herod, you're going to kill John the Baptist? Yeah, his task was done. Not even Herod could cut short the will of God. Thomas Fuller wrote a book many years ago about the history of Britain, and then after observing the lives of God's servants, he made this conclusion. He said, God's children are immortal as long as their father has anything for them to do on this earth. See, as long as Jesus has something to do in God's plan, and he did, Herod and the Pharisees were powerless against him. How many times did they have him surrounded? And it said he passed through the midst of them. The Bible doesn't give us any details about how that happened. But it happens a lot. It's just he passed in the midst of it. Well, they just let him go. No, they didn't just let him go. It's just they, they didn't have any power over him. And that fact is obviously true of you. Look at the life and story of Job. God had to remove the hedges. Satan couldn't do that. It is true of you as a child of God, and it means two things. One, nothing can happen to you unless God allows it, and two, this journey we're on today and tomorrow will one day lead us home. 
and it's glorious, this journey. The end is more glorious. And if you're here tonight and you say, well, I have adversaries like the Lord Jesus, well, you will. Yea, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you have obstacles and trials and discouraging circumstances, hang in there. Do not throw in the towel. Remember Jack Kemp? The late Jack Kemp was a quarterback. He was also the housing secretary under um, President Reagan, I think it was. Yeah. And before that, he played, as you know, he played football briefly in the NFL, the Canadian Football League. And then in 1965, he played for the Buffalo Bills and he earned the AFL uh, MVP that year. Finally, he had some success. He wasn't, he wasn't successful at all in his football career. Before this success, so many struggles and so many disappointments as a quarterback. And a reporter once famously asked him in New York, of course in New York, they're going to do that. Why don't you just throw in the towel? Because his season was horrible. He said, if I did throw in the towel, somebody would intercept it. <laughs> and sometimes life is just like that. But that's okay. I mean, you say, well, that feels like my life. You're in very good company. Read the apostles, read the prophets, read the life, three and a half year ministry of our Lord. You're in good company when the journey gets tough. And today is challenging. Keep on keeping on. Let me summarize, in fact, what this text has always meant to me. When the Lord Jesus, with conviction, said, I must walk today. Now, this is the, this is the government. This is the power that be saying, stop and leave. But when he said with conviction, no, 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 I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, he reminds us of some three powerful truths. A, every day is short. B, every day is secure. And C, every day is sacred. So, well, there are holy days. Every day is holy if you're a child of God. You know, on that third part, every day is sacred, that point, think about the average everyday days in our Lord's life. Because the truth is, we don't know much about most any of them. If you think about it, from the time he's 12 until he's 30, 18 years, a lot of days, day after day after day, we don't know anything about those. They were everyday days. Somewhere along the line, his father died. His, his stepfather, if you will, he died. And he became the man of the house, one of the men of the house, carpenter. We don't know anything. There's no record during all of those day after day after day, no record of miracles or healings or a transfiguration, but every day was still sacred. And for you, today is sacred. It's a gift. Tomorrow is a holy day. Every day is sacred. Every activity is sacred for a child of God because you have the Holy Spirit with you and His Word. That means every time that you talk to a clerk or a waitress, you stop at a gas station, you show up for work, you sit down and eat a meal, every choice you make, it really should, truly should be made with the realization that every moment of every day, we are the children of the Most High God. We're called ambassadors of Christ. Well, when do we take a break from being an ambassador to Christ? We're representing heaven every day we're on this earth. And whether it's a high and holy day, or whether it's Monday morning, the Monday after time changed, <laughs> It's sacred. There's no different. People think, well, you're the reverend. You know, I was in Publix years ago, and, and I was 
picking up some things. I had my cart, and I'm going through, and, and one of our church members saw me. And she acted surprised. She said, Pastor, you shop? <laughs> She's like looking in my cart. It's like, wow, you, you drink milk, and you eat bread. You smoke cigarettes. And I was, <laughs> that's Remo's cart, amen. <laughs> but that's just sort of this false religious notion that there's the spiritual, there's the sacred, and there's the secular in our lives. And we don't get to take a, pray, a break from being a child of God, an ambassador of Christ. That spiritual and sacred things are just a certain place and a certain activity, and everything else is secular. That, beloved, is false. And as a Christian, as God's child tonight, sitting in this church service tonight, you are just as much God's child, God's servant in this world, as you will be sitting at your desk tomorrow or working on a car, whatever you do. And you know, if you don't think that God wants you to take His name in vain in church on Sunday morning because you're in church, you're right. But neither does He want you to take His name in vain late on Saturday night because you're still just as much a child of God. There's no Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday on God's calendar where we get to just do, do things our way in the flesh. Nor there, is there a time, nor is there a day when you can't pray, when you can't hear from God or cry out to God. There's no day when you're not His child. There's no day when you cannot have full fellowship with Him. Every day is sacred and spiritual. And as we noted, not only is every day sacred, but every day is secure. You're going to be fine. Look, I must walk today and tomorrow. I must. Think about those words. Just tell Herod I must. He's threatening me. And you can do the same thing. You can look in, this, in the eyes of threats or a disease you may have or something and say, well, I must do this until God's finished with me. Until it's God's will that I don't. If I have God's will to do, all the powers of all the Caesars cannot stop it. And then finally, again, it's a reminder that the, the day is short. Verse 32, and we're going to close. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils and I do cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I shall be perfected. It's coming to an end. And it did, didn't it? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, 29, the time is short. Every day is like this. I know, you know, we older guys, I consider myself an older guy nowadays. It sounds weird. We older guys say this a lot, you know, man, you do times fast, but it really is. Someone sent me a picture yesterday, and uh, I'm gonna I want you to see it. I'm going to put it up on the screen right here, guys, if you can. Do we have that? There you go. <laughs> they sent me this picture on my phone, and I looked at it, and here's what I thought. I remember, I looked at it, and I thought, I remember that watch. I remember those choir loft chairs stacking them. I remember that tie and that suit. I remember, I looked at it and said, oh, I don't have a short, I have a short sleeve. I hate wearing short sleeve shirts with a suit. But I didn't want to go out and spend the money. I mean, you, you would never see me now with that. But I, I didn't want to go out and spend the money. I remember specifically thinking, I hate not having a long sleeve shirt. 
I remember our discussion right there. The discussion. Rima was saying he was making me an offer I couldn't refuse. That was taken in 1988, 35 years ago. But really, it was three days ago. That's what I'm saying. It was just yesterday to me. That's because every day is short. So why not this? Since every day is short, and every day after that is short, so that all the days that are short are make a lifetime that's short and quick, why not just go ahead and have faith, enjoy all the things that God has richly given to you, and finish. Hang in there. And God's people said? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, that so often in your word you teach us over and again the perspective that we are to have about life, this journey, this wonderful, glorious journey you've given us. Some people on the journey were martyred for their faith. That was your will for them. We use the terms, his life was cut short, but not in your economy. Some people on this journey live to a ripe old age, and you used their old age and their ripe old age in your will to be a testimony and a blessing to others, and we thank you. And all of us, Lord, all of us in this room, help us to embrace your will for our journey in this life. And when we are threatened, we were lied about when the adversaries come, we can say in our hearts, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following until you call us home. We praise you for that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.